Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Liz Kelly. With the NFL season a week away and the Ringer's fantasy football coverage gearing up, we have released our first ever Fantasy Football Hall of Fame. We assembled a panel of voters, including Bill Simmons, Cousin Sal, Robert Mays, Mallory Rubin, and more, to induct the 25 best fantasy football players of all time. You can find the rankings by going directly to fantasyfootball.theringer.com. And for more fantasy football coverage, check out the Fantasy Football Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from theRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, aka Kevin O'Bomber, aka Kevin O'Conflict, aka Kevin O'Candyland, aka Kevin O'Climber. Kevin, Verno, what's going on this morning? How are you doing? Well, it's been a big morning because typically on a Tuesday morning when we are recording this, there has not been basketball that has gone on. But this morning, Team USA narrowly escapes. Turkey, thank God Turkey can't make free throws, or else this would have been a massive story around the world with Team USA possibly losing a game in official World Cup play. This would be obvious, uh, beyond an exhibition or whatever. Um, Turkey, look, they killed the United States in points in the paint. They killed them on two-pointers. This was like your typical international basketball game um and team usa has shot now 13 of 37 35 percent inside the arc um they won on three pointers they won on free throws uh but they got bashed in points in the paint and you see it is clearly a different style of basketball that these teams play. And I think as an NBA fan, when you watch the World Cup, you have to adjust to some of the rules. Um, you know, Brazil wins at the very end against Greece with Bruno Caboclo as, <laughs> as the ball is tipping around the rim, just slaps it out of bounds. Do you like that rule? Do you, do I do like that rule. Yeah, I do too. I do like I that think, rule. I think it's fun. Um, and then on the other side, the big one is the unsportsmanlike foul that they call because we are so accustomed to in the NBA that you can just run up and, and grab somebody and they call the foul, right? Like you just into you're intentionally fouling them, but they're, you're not even making a play on the ball. Sometimes you don't even have to foul the guy with the ball, or you can foul before the inbounds even comes in. Whereas the guy from Turkey got rid of the ball quickly and Joe Harris reached up behind him and fouled him, just like you see a normal play in the NBA. Well, instead, that's a tech. And it could have, I mean, there's so many plays that could have blown the game. You have Jetty Osmond blowing past Miles Turner on an and one for Turkey to take the lead. You have uh, you have Donovan Mitchell grabbing the rim with the game on the line after Miles Turner's tip looks like it's about to go in. You have Miles Turner getting the ball on the inbounds and then getting it stripped away from him with the game on the line. And then, of course, you have Turkey missing all their free throws. And the unfortunate story at the end of this, which may end up putting a cloud on it, is that as Jason Tatum takes off with the rebound, flies down the court, makes a great play on an odd man break, passes it to Middleton. Middleton makes, or I mean, gets fouled on the layup. But then we see there's just a visual of Tatum being carried off the court. 
And as of recording, we really don't have an update yet, right? It appears he rolled his ankle. Okay. And I believe that's what it was reported as. But of course, rolled ankles can have varying severity. Yeah, it was reported. um, He sprained his left ankle. Uh, So for Tatum, hopefully that's a minor sprained ankle and not a high ankle sprain, which would probably knock him out for the rest of the World Cup over the next couple of weeks um, and possibly even take him to training camp because we're, we are right around the corner from that, um, somehow already being September. Uh, Tatum played a good game down the stretch from what I saw. I, I was working out in the morning and then I was getting ready for this pod and then I got a text from you two like, yo, World Cup, going to OT, and I was planning on watching it a little bit later maybe. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, so I did not see most of the game, unfortunately. Um, but what I did see down the stretch, Tatum did make some plays before the injury on that nice pass uh, to Middleton, drawing the foul to give them the go-ahead buckets from the free throw line. In fairness to you, this wasn't supposed to be a good game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the United States was favored by a million in this game. And the only reason I flipped on at the at the start of the day, I woke up and was working on stuff, and I start seeing these tweets about Brazil and Greece. And I'm like, wait, what? Because, I mean, Greece was pretty heavy favorite. I think they were a 13-point favorite over Brazil. So, I mean, I looked last night just to see, like, okay, who's supposed to be winning in these games? And are there any of these games that are supposed to be, like, great matchups? And though it was unexpected, I flipped on Greece versus Brazil. And for God's sakes, I mean, I'm watching the last six minutes of that game. It was the weirdest thing because the international games played so much different than the NBA game. I get that. But if you were watching that game, like I've always said, if you told somebody that had never watched basketball in their life, you just took them to a game and you said, watch this game. And then at the end of the game, you said, who's the best player? They'd say LeBron, right? Like they, you could watch the game and you could say, that's the best player on the field. Like I, back in the day, I could watch soccer and I was like, yeah that Messi guy's the best guy on the field or Ronaldo or whoever it may be in this. It's such team basketball and there's, it's so much different than the NBA where you don't see somebody taking like 30 shot attempts that you could watch the last six minutes of that game. And you wouldn't even know that Giannis was the best player, you know, one of the best players in the world and the MVP of the NBA. And now that's probably a massive demerit to the Greek coach. (laughs) Um, but it is weird to watch. It really is because we are just so used to clear outs or, Hey, just throw the ball to the best guy and he'll go get you a bucket. Um, and they're really just equal opportunity, pass it around, get the best shot, whether the guy is Giannis Antetokounmpo or somebody that you've never heard of in your life. And there we are watching that game. Brazil has Leandro Barbosa. And Anderson Verajo. It was turn back the clock time. Um, and they're like running pick and rolls together. <laughs> and they look good. And Barbosa's obviously been a fantastic uh, international player for a long time. And then also you have Turkey playing zone defense in that game as yes. well. And uh, right. of course, over the last two seasons, we've seen teams begin to incorporate zone a little bit more, especially a team like the Brooklyn Nets. They've used it a bunch in recent years, and that that's something I wonder moving forward with today's style of play with so many teams 
emphasizing and seeking out three-pointers and then attacking the rim to either get to the line or, or attempt a layup or to kick it out for another three-pointer. I do wonder if we see another uptick in zone defense this year in the NBA, just like we saw the Turkey defense, the issues that caused for Team USA. Because I, I do think what Brooklyn and Miami, those were the two teams that used zone more than anybody else. I do think what they did last season could at least be a sign that maybe other teams are going to start to begin to incorporate it over the full duration of the season. It's interesting because you've really got to have a, a, you know, that big that's back in the middle. He's really got to be able to move because, like, you know, in college, you can just stand there. You just stand in front of the friggin' basket. You just find the tallest guy you can recruit, and then you just stand him in front of the basket. <laughs> like Taco right? Fall. Maybe that's, yeah, why, that's, right. maybe that's why Boston signed him. <laughs> oh, well, what's his name? What's his name? Did it for 100 years. Um, Calhoun. At UConn, yeah. they would like lead the league at blocks all the time, and, they, and that not because they were a zone team, but because he would just find the tallest guy he could, and he just put him in front of the basket, and it made it so hard to score in college. But you saw that today with Team USA too. You know, I talked about their points in the paint. I mean, they got ravaged, and a lot of these teams they're now doing the uh, these high pick and rolls so they can get Miles Turner or one of the bigs out there on. Like you in crunch time, they switched Miles Turner onto Seti Osman, and Jetty Osman just took him straight to the basket, straight to the rack. And so, like these teams, they play really well together. But dude, Greece losing to Brazil and Giannis, like not even being a big part of anything that happened down the stretch, was just bananas. Bananas. This game, I did not see a single second of, aside from the free throw at the end that was tipped away. Um, But looking at the box score, as somebody who has not seen the game yet, it is unfathomable that you look at Giannis Antetokounmpo in 28 minutes, only shot seven shots. It's insane. That's it. And only one assist. When you watch it back, it's just like he is just treated like one of the other guys on the team. It's weird. You know? Like, and that's the way it is with a lot of these good players that are in this thing. They just treat them like, eh, they're just part of it, you know? And I just, I, I don't get it, man. He's, a, he's the MVP of the NBA, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> are you sure it wasn't Anderson Varejao? Are you positive? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Mm. Hey, maybe he got locked down by Brazilian Giannis. Oh, Bruno Caboclo. yeah. He is the you know he is the one kind of guy that's got that same freaky body. He is not nearly the player that goes without saying, but he does have this insane. If you put length. Bruno in Milwaukee system, <laughs> he's gonna be <laughs> he's gonna be in Milwaukee system. They hired Taylor Jenkins in Memphis. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> hey, watch out! Oh boy. <laughs> Soon enough, Watch it'll out. be like, what, which, what's the number one number one prospect on the Memphis Grizzlies? That's John Morant? Not, no, no, it's Bruno Caboclo. That's soon oh, enough. Oh, yo, Bruno Caboclo. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You know, with the very end of the game, down by, by the way, one. you would take John Morant over Jaron Jackson for number one prospect on the team? Uh, I think it's I think it's neck and neck. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I would take Jaron Jackson because the defensive edge, but the offensive so. potency, the shot creation. This is a total aside, but yep. that, yeah. <laughs> uh, Bruno Caboclo blocked Giannis at the rim on an alley-oop with the game on the line. And then on the game tying free throw after, I mean, you, you'll have to watch a replay of this. I'm, I'm pulling up is, the block right now as okay, we speak. Okay. Uh, Greece <laughs> is 
uh, agrees is down by three. Okay. That's a great point. Uh, with six seconds left, and a guy takes a three pointer from 75 feet away and gets fouled. Wow. That's how they were going to the line to tie it. And then he made the first two, missed the third one, and Bruno Caboclo swatted the ball out of bounds off the rim. And that's how they won the game. It was just insanity. Uh, but anyway, a lot of these teams are pretty fun to watch. I mean, you've already had teams moving on. Argentina had already moved on. Italy, Russia, Poland, Serbia. I did watch a little Serbia over the weekend. Um, Jokic, just unbelievable. And it's always Dude, fun to some watch. Some of the passes that he oh. made. I mean, it's like we've been through before. We've seen some of these spectacular passes, but it doesn't get old. Like he had that touch pass from the right baseline where the ball was thrown a little high to him, and he just tapped it to his teammate underneath yes. the rim for a layup. Ridiculous. The vision. You know, and this is, this is it was always the same way with Marcus Hall, and it's obviously true with, uh, with Jokic and any of the great passing big guys. This stuff is made for them because they all know each other so well. They've been playing with, a lot of them have been playing with each other for a decade now. Jokic is on another level, though. He, I mean, he's, he's oh. straight up one of the best passers that I've ever seen. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, he's on the level of, like, a we're talking like best point guards. When you think about Magic Johnson, John Stockton, like these guys that were unbelievable passers, Jokic is that is that in a seven foot, two hundred seventy five pound body. It's unbelievable the things that he does on the floor. So good. And so now for Team USA, uh, let me just say this because I know there's going to be like a you know, geez, Team USA only beat Turkey by one, and they may very well lose in this thing. But here's me saying, I like this. I like that they don't have a team. They're still the favorite, and it would have been a big upset, obviously a huge upset for Turkey to beat them. And so they're going to be favored in every game that they play there. But I like that it's competitive. I like that much more than I know we can send all of our best guys and go beat everybody badly, you know, and then maybe get one or two close games. But I like the fact that, I mean, I don't, I don't like the fact that they're eking it out against Turkey and should have lost. But I do like that it's competition. It's kind of an even match going on playing against these teams. They're not, they're not just burying everybody. That, what, what fun is that to watch them beat somebody 140 to 60? Well, this is much you know? funner. I, I, I enjoy much. this. And also, I think for Team USA, if you look at their roster on paper, they still have more talent overall. It's just so, like you said earlier, so many of these teams have been playing together for years. This is this team that's come together almost pickup style, and it's not even – a, that great of a constructed team. They they don't have enough versatility in the front court. They're so small in the back court. Just such a guard heavy roster. Uh, team USA, where I didn't see this point of the game, but I I did see Charks put this in I think Ringer Slack, where Harrison Barnes played the five at one point and it did not go well. Like they just don't have that type of guy where they can do that. They have their traditional bigs in Plumlee and Turner and Lopez on the defensive end of the floor, but not that guy who's super switchable, um, which they they could really need in a competition like this. Well, and they, you know when we're sending this level of guys that are you know most of them, I guess Kemba's been an all star. There ain't many. Uh, is Kemba the only one that's made an all star team? Forgive me, I'm uh, I'm doing this off the top of my head right now. Brooke Lopez might have made one. I think Brooke Lopez made an all star team. Yep, back in 2012-13 season. Brooke Lopez, dude, it's... I mean, I know a lot of people talk about like how he changed his game, but I don't know if he gets enough credit for it, really. Just the fact that he was this low-post bruiser who was a, a limited defender 
in Brooklyn, and, and then he became an injury-prone player. And then since then, he's not really been injured, and he's drastically changed his style as a player in order to survive and thrive. Uh, to me, he's really the model for young big men who aren't superstars who can get by simply on their talent. He's the model for any young player that wants to sustain a long NBA career, have a lot of success, make a lot of money. Brooke is a guy for players to look at and be like, okay, how can I replicate what he did over his career in order to sustain mine? It's pretty remarkable what he's done. Yeah, so when we talk about the best players in the NBA and we talk about the Westbrooks and the Hardens and the LeBrons and all the Anthony Davis, all these guys, right? And the Bruno like, Caboclas. And, no, yeah. no, no. I'm saying they <laughs> are way better, way better than these players, okay? Uh, this is like the D team. No, I'm saying than their international peers. But Joe Harris and Harrison Barnes and, you know, uh, Derek White and uh, these guys, they ain't that much better than the players that are on these other teams. You know what I mean? The gap uh, level of player is not great. And in some cases, the opposite team has the better player at the position, believe it or not. And so that's the, I mean, that's the big difference. So when you're, when you're talking about who, who really sets you apart and truth be told, bigs, there's no question. There's no question because the, the, the USA doesn't have Carl Towns and they don't have Anthony Davis and they don't have even like, you know, Andre Drummond or, or somebody like that. Right. Um, Miles Turner and Brooke Lopez, like there's a lot of these teams that have better bigs than that, you know, true bigs. And there's really no, I guess there's really no true fours on the team, <laughs> you know, like there's no. There's no power forwards on the whole team. You got Lopez and Turner play center, and everybody else is a is a shooting guard, a small forward, or a point guard. Um, and I think that's probably why, in some ways, you are seeing them getting you know mangled in the paint. Um, we'll see what's next for them as they move on, but they were able to get a win. They should beat Japan, who they face on Thursday. Yeah. Though I, I will, again, be excited to see how Ruby Hachimura does from the Washington Wizards. Yep. Well, you had Ursan Ilyasova, Jetty Osman, Korkmaz, and then Scotty Wilbekin, who we were all aware of in college. Those guys were all on this Turkish team. So, I mean, they had players on that team. Um I'm interested to see what happens for with, what this, with this Team USA going forward. We do have a new Tatum update from Gary okay. Washburn of the Boston Globe, uh, who is the number one Jetty Osmond fan on the planet. Gary Washburn tweeted, about 20 minutes after his ankle injury, Jason Tatum texted Brad Stevens, who was in Boston, and told him the injury doesn't appear to be serious, or didn't appear to be serious, rather, so past tense. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. The official report is that he'll be reevaluated tomorrow. Tatum apparently texted... Brad Stevens and said it, it didn't appear to be serious. So that's at least a good sign for the Celtics and for anybody who likes watching young 19-year-old basketball players. Well, I know that our, our leader, Bill Simmons, is big on the <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, for Bill Simmons, yes. Yeah, yeah. For, <laughs> number one, he's big on Jason Tatum. Number yeah. two, um, he's big on the impact that this can have on you going forward. And so if we are going to say there is a massive silver lining to them playing in these highly competitive games, even though they are not expected to be highly competitive, is that it's a great situation for all of these young players to be in they're in you know that whole arena didn't want them to win 
You know that. That right. arena, like, the the energy. Like I oh, said, I only saw the end. But yeah, the energy was great. <laughs> well, you know, listen, it's a huge upset anytime the United States loses, and so they don't want they don't want the United States to win that thing. And it's great for all of those young guys to be in this incredibly pressurized environment. You know, oh, no with, doubt. with all the fans that are there, and those games are intense. That's not a fun ride. Well, and we saw what the pressure did at the end of yep. that game with the missed free throws. I saw right. a couple of tweets being like, go to practice your free throws. And it's like, they practice their free throws. It's just the pressure was so significant oh, in that moment. Man, it's it's, it's one thing lying. to make a free throw in an open gym. It's another thing to make a free throw when your legs are super tired and the pressure of an entire country is on to, on your shoulders. Yeah, forget, uh, really forget, uh, forget, forget Osmond. The guy before him... That got to shoot the the text and forgive me. Dogus, I, I, uh, I'm not, I may be butchering his name. Dogus Balbe. Yeah, when you see it back uh, for anybody that didn't see oh, this, that was awful. I mean, he yeah. just absolutely just he short armed it and like walked away Jeez. from the line as soon as he shot it. Like, I mean, that was just those were panic. I, I felt so bad. <laughs> it was like a guy that just. It was like if you shot it and you walked away from from it like you didn't shoot it. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't want anybody to know that you just shot that ball. He only played 13 minutes in that game, oh. too. Well, I mean, it's he not says, his fault. Listen, he was trying to get rid of the ball <laughs> when Joe Harris grabbed him. He didn't, he, didn't want to, he didn't want any part of that. He didn't want to go to the line. And that, and then we saw why. Poor guy just Fourth walks up. And, a Dogus Balbe in his career overseas is a career 53.1% oh. free throw shooter, but only on oh, no. 32 attempts. Hasn't gotten a lot of minutes um, playing in the Euro, Euro League. And, and uh, yeah, so he hasn't played much for the uh, in the Euro League over the past six, seven years. Well, now we know why he's trying to get mm-hmm. rid of the ball. Yep. Poor guy. Uh, all right, quick NBA notes before we get into the exercise that we are going to perform today, which is the big three. Shout out to ISO Joe Johnson finished this past weekend and what we are going to do on the next couple of episodes is put up big three teams for both the Easter Conference and the Western Conference. We're going to do the East today. But before we get to that, we do need to mention last week we talked about Karis LeVert getting a contract extension. This week we talk about Eric Gordon has gotten Mm. a contract extension since we last spoke. There are many that say while Daryl Morey gets a lot of uh, <laughs> he gets a lot of love for I love the way you pronounce his last name. <laughs> yeah, I, I've always done it. I'm going to do it forever. I know. I, I've, now I do it so it makes people mad. <laughs> do people tweet at you saying, "Oh, you mispronounce oh, yeah. his last uh, name"? Every time I say it. Every time I say it. So that's why it's going to be that forever. Um, Does Daryl know? Does Daryl know you say it that way? Sure. Hmm. You've interviewed him before, right? I think you've had him on on the show, yeah, maybe a ton, on the show. A ton. Yeah. He's been on the yeah. He's been on the NBA show. He's been on local show. I mean, I've known Daryl for a long, long time. Now, I met him by him coming to Memphis at Rockets games yeah, and whatnot. More, hey. And well, and him and Chris Wallace were big buddies <laughs> because they were uh, in Boston together. So that was kind of the how uh, I met him. Um, but anyway, Daryl is well known for bringing. You know, he gets so much credit on the analytic side of things in the NBA, but there are many that will tell you that his contract ingenuity is the big change. You know, that he has done contracts differently and structured contracts differently and gotten creative with them so much more than many of his peers. And I had to laugh because this was another one that that was true. Did you see this where they talked, you know, it gets all, it always gets reported that somebody signs up 
whatever year extension for blank millions of dollars, right? But he's got a fourth year. So he's got three years guaranteed at $54.5 million, okay? The non-guaranteed season would start him at $20.9 million, okay? He gets the fourth year if he makes an all-star team or the Rockets win a championship. <laughs> that was reported by Adrian Wojnarowski. I love that. I mean, that is one that you don't see very often, right? You hear about contract incentives, but if he makes an all-star team or they win a title, he gets whatever. So, I mean, it's going to matter more to him than anybody else. He gets 21 million bucks guaranteed <laughs> if he does it. So there was another creative contract. Beyond that, Gordon is one of those who has totally and completely changed his career. And he did it, what, I guess if I'm counting here, geez, I mean, it was far into his He did not play. He played 78 games his rookie year with the Clippers, okay? He did not play more than 64 games until he went to Houston. Until he went to Houston, he never played more than 64 games in his entire career. Can you believe that? And now, right? Like, it's a very, very strange road to getting a massive deal to do it this far down the line, but he just couldn't stay healthy. And he's another one that you can credit those German knees. He went and got that done over in Germany, and it changed everything for him. I mean, he had been good grief. I guess when he got that deal with Houston, the year before for the Pelicans, he had played 44 games or 45 games. It's pretty crazy to see how much he has changed because you have about five years in the middle of his career where he didn't play games and he just didn't play games. He didn't play games. So what do we make of Eric Gordon now at age 30 getting that contract? Well, for one, I think it's incredibly smart for Houston to lock him up now. Um, when you consider how weak next year's free agency class is, he's somebody who, despite the fact that he's next year, he'll be 31 as a free agent, he's still somebody that could have gotten paid probably a bit more than this, you know, and at an average annual value of about 18 million over the duration of this contract for Houston, you get him at a good number, a guy who's, you know, your third most important scorer behind Westbrook and Harden, somebody who is a floor spacer when he shares the floor or those stars and somebody who can handle the ball and run some pick and roll when he is one of the main guys out there. So for Houston, it makes sense to lock him up at that number. Additionally, you don't know how the landscape changes at one point. And at this v number, he is a more tradable piece. Um, the fact he is a good team on a good team friendly deal makes him a more tradable player, which gives Houston some flexibility moving forward. If they want to make some type of all in deal at some point, if they do choose to uh, packaging players together, it gives them that choice and that flexibility. And for Gordon, of course, it makes some sense here because you're in a great situation with Houston and you're still getting paid a heck of a lot of money. And, and I'm not sure if it made sense for Gordon to risk waiting until free agency possibly to get more in a place that he doesn't necessarily want to play or have a chance to compete. Uh, so for both sides, it makes a ton of sense. Do you think he's a guy that will still be worth that at 33 and 34? So many times people lament giving contracts to, you know, four-year deals to 30-year-old guys. Didn't we just see that with uh, how old Horford, right? Wasn't that the big thing that everybody was complaining about with Horford? 
Well, yeah. what's he going to be? What, what, what's Horford's he? 33. He turned 33. Okay, so he yeah. is he is significantly older. Yeah. And Gordon That's doesn't fair. turn 31 until December. On Christmas Day, actually. Do you think 33 and 34-year-old Gordon will be worth it? I don't know. I mean, maybe not, but he It's a risk. He it's I a mean, risk. For, 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 I don't know. That, I, I don't know, man. Like, cap goes up to around 118, 120 million. Right. At that point, you're paying for now, like, the window is right now. I'm not sure if you're as worried about year three or year four for Houston, not to mention for the next three years, I think it's safe to say this is your window, right? So if you enter the 2022-23 season at that point, and Eric Gordon could be on an expiring deal at that point if you hadn't won a championship or he hadn't won an all-star game, if he hadn't made an all-star game, and if he did, you'd be happy to have that fourth year at only $20.9 million. I think that the deal makes a ton of sense for both sides. And I, I don't even view it as much of a risk at all unless the injuries return, but they have not been there for years. So I'm sure Houston, with their medical team, yeah. what level of risk would actually be there with injuries? It's kind of wild because he did not have a, a great season. He shot 41% from the field and 36% from three last year. It wasn't some kind of great season uh, that Eric Gordon had with a, a bad PER, if you want to pay attention to that at all. Um, you know, but he, we're two years removed from him being six man of the year. And here's the big thing. He is a tradable contract, right? He is a good player that you can throw into a deal if you want. I mean, his name came up a couple different times when they were talking about moving for stars. He is the kind of player that you could probably package a big contract that you could package in a deal. Cause you know, everybody is always available at Houston, right? So Daryl's going to keep on trying to improve his team any way he can. And I would be surprised if Eric Gordon is there through this contract. Interesting. Very surprised. Interesting. Yeah. So you also view him as a tradable piece then? 100%. Because he's not essential. He's not essential to them. Sure. Right? He's not essential. Especially and so, because the overlap with size and the backcourt with Westbrook, Hart, and Gordon. I, th- I, it's I really, yeah. What do you do there? Well, right? it's like, it's I mean, ideal to have a bigger guy who's another primary ball handler. If you were able sure. to at some point turn Gordon into a six foot eight, six foot nine guy who can handle the ball and defend, which is probably asking a lot. But if you're able to do that at some point, that's the ideal roster construct with the Westbrook Harden backcourt as it was with Paul and Harden. They just weren't able to find that guy. They tried it with Carmelo Anthony. It didn't work out. They tried going for Jimmy Butler. Did not work out. So maybe that's what I mean when I say like Gordon could be that piece at some point that you try to flip for that guy, whoever it might be in the yeah. future who comes becomes available. I look at it as a contract for a non-starter on my team. Now, it's great to have him, especially because you can withstand injury, because he's certainly good enough to start for you. But in the end, is he on the court when it matters most? And is he, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of money to pay for somebody that's not on the, uh, you know, not ideally on the floor. I suppose you can play the three guards together all you want. But um, there's, you look at the best teams in the West, and as we've said, I mean, you're dealing with Kawhi and Paul George, and you're dealing with LeBron and Anthony Davis. You know, <laughs> they had some size on those teams now. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think you do try to find whoever that wing or big is that's available out there. The, the tough part for Houston, though, is, you know, if, if we're talking trades here and what type of shifts they can make to, on their roster in the future, they dealt 
virtually all their picks in, in, the, in, <laughs> in the Westbrook deal. So, so for the it, next for the next twenty yeah. years, they got no pick. Yeah, I mean it's the type of thing here where you're if you're talking about a deal, it's a Gordon plus Capella or Gordon plus Tucker type of package, uh, and you know. <laughs> like Isaiah Hartenstein. <laughs> I mean, they, they don't have a lot of youth um, or picks that they would be able to add to a deal. But fact is, they have the player, they have the asset, and he's ideally a keeper. And you hope to win a championship this year, and that fourth year kicks in. But yeah, Houston, Houston to me, man, like they're one of the more interesting teams in the league. I'm just excited to see that Westbrook Harden backcourt and the dynamic between those two. It's going to be much oh, different. I think than everybody Paul. is. Yeah. I think everybody is because it doesn't, like, as we said when it first happened, I don't feel like it's just going to be okay. It's either going to be insanely devastating and they're going to be awesome or it's going to be a bad fit. But I don't, I don't just think they're going to be all right, like a 500 team, you know, or like, you know, just okay. Like, if it works, my God. I mean, those two together. If they can figure it out and make it work, that is that is hard to deal with, to say the least. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, as we said, the Big Three ended over the weekend. We're going to run through the Eastern Conference and pick Big Three teams for each of them on the other side. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Floor & Decor. Don't miss out. Floor & Decor is the only one-stop flooring shop that keeps general contractors, flooring specialists, and renovation experts ahead of the game. Thanks to their fully stocked warehouse of hard surface flooring, no job is too big. Job lot quantities of tile wood and stone are in stock and available for convenient worksite delivery. And their dedicated pro services system is here to help make it easy for you to run your business, offering you everything from 14-day product storage to financing solutions to express pickup. Sign up for Pro Premier Rewards and you'll automatically rack up points that you can exchange for prizes. Plus, you'll have access to over 15 discounted services to help you grow your business. Explore your local floor and decor and discover how quality flooring products at everyday low prices can completely change your game. Visit floorandecor.com today to locate the floor and decor nearest you to score savings and service you won't find anywhere else. That's floorandecor.com. All right, Kevin. So the big three ended this weekend. Shout out to ISO Joe Johnson whose team, and Lisa Leslie, who coached them to victory. Al Jeff was on there. Uh, the big three ended. Um, Iso Joe very well is, I'd imagine, is going to end up in the NBA next year. Great. Yes, yes. He's <laughs> he can score. Three teams, right? Bucks, Nets, Pistons, right? Sixers two, maybe. He can score a lot more than a lot of guys that have NBA jobs. I promise you that. Um, but we said we were going to try to come up with a big three team for each of the teams in the NBA. Today, we are going to start with the Easter Conference. So let's burn through them. All right, I'm just going to go in alphabetical order. Atlanta. All right, Trey Young and John Collins are on the team. So we just got to decide on the third guy. Herder. Do we want... <laughs> huh? Herder. Give me a shooter. Over Cam Reddish, over DeAndre Hunter, over Jabari Parker. Those would probably be the How others. How about Evan Turner? Stop. What? What do you mean? You just listened no. to Jabari Parker. I know, I know. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> All right. I, I'm I, I, get, I get a guy. I get a guy for you. Okay. Chandler Parsons. Stop. Hey, Jabari Parker. <laughs> Jabari Parker's big enough now he could guard bigs for me. <laughs> I, I think I think it's gotta be Herder there when you factor in the shooting ability, the playmaking. 
Give me Kevin Herter on that big three. Young Herter right, Collins. I think I'll take DeAndre Hunter. I'll get a little defense in there. Uh, Boston. Kemba Walker. Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown. But know. we've got, I mean, if we're doing a big three, we probably need a big guy. Mm. So the other ones we've got, we've got Hayward, Smart, Grant Williams, Enos Cantor. I mean, <laughs> hmm. Cantor will grab every rebound. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. I, I do need I need somebody that's going to grab the rebounds. I guess Marcus Smart will grab every rebound. Marcus Smart would actually be great for the big three, right? I mean, I think it also depends on the competition here. Like, how many how many bigs are you going to have to battle? I mean, do you really want Marcus? If we're thinking about the Western Conference, do you really want Marcus Smart battling Nikola Jokic? No, you don't. We're just, we're just doing you Eastern. Know? Now. I know. <laughs> so how do we put I, this team I, together? I, I think, honestly, man, and this is probably a risk, but I may take Grant Williams in this case, unless Ennis Kanter is showing off a really reliable three-point shot. But Grant Williams, with his projectable versatility, with his bulk, <laughs> And is we can't passing. we can and, and we can't it let him just grants. throw us in the pick and roll the entire game. Yeah, which they would do with Cantor. Exactly. Yeah, can't play Cantor. <laughs> All right. So who are we kicking off? Jalen or Tatum? Oh, Jalen for sure. Tatum's got to be on the team. Okay. Kemba Tatum, Grant Williams. And for what it's worth, there was another update on Tatum that he walked out of the arena with his sneakers on and he oh, had great. no limp and he was feeling fine. So what looked like a scary ankle sprain. And uh, getting helped off the court could be nothing, hopefully. Perfect. Brooklyn. This is a tough one. We got Kyrie, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, and you're saying Joe we're, Harris. We're not allowed to use KD. No, no we're KD. Not, so we're not allowed to use players who are out. So we can't use John Wall in Washington either? Cannot okay, use John okay. Wall in Washington. Can't use Oladipo in Indiana. Okay, so no KD. That's They're not available. They're okay. not available, okay. Kevin. Right. We can't play them. So They're this is available. like tomorrow, big three, yes. NBA we're, style. Yes, we're putting in the big three tomorrow. Maybe that should be the midseason tournament. Oh, that would be amazing. Mm, three on All three right. tournament? Okay. So yeah. we got Kyrie. He's making the team because he'll he'll be so mad if he doesn't. So we're putting him on there. Jared Allen, I think, has got to be on there, right? We're putting Jared Allen. Are we putting Jared Allen over DeAndre? Uh, <laughs> yeah, based off <laughs> past performance, yes. Um, okay. So yeah. now... Who's our third guy? And I think this is hard. Tareen Prince, Joe Harris, Spencer Didwitty, Karis LeVert. Jeez. Uh, I mean, I, I, if I'm building this team, I'm thinking I want Kyrie isoing every single possession or pick and roll. So we need so to I get him. Shooter. I want Harris. I like Tareen Prince. Yeah, me too. He's a dog. He's been a bit of an underrated addition this summer. I mean, he's not a great player by any means, but I do think with the construct of that Brooklyn roster, if KD at some point in March, April is able to come back and you think about the type of lineups Brooklyn can play, Taurine Prince could play a big, big role in that as a four or a three, you know, especially if you're able at some point, like an NBA finals run, go we're going off the deep end here, but Katie at the five with Prince at the four. That gets pretty exciting. If you're thinking yep. about what Brooklyn can do at that point in the season, um, Torian Prince could be a big part of that. Here's the impossible one. Charlotte. Ugh. Okay. So we got Miles Bridges. He's on the team. Rosier's got to be on it. <laughs> oh, and I say, and PJ Washington. Dude, I, I had PJ on my list. Okay. I can't believe we both had PJ Washington. You know what? Kid Gilchrist at least battle. And Biombo could grab rebounds for me. Marvin Williams should be in the big three right now. <laughs> he should be in the actual. He's been their starting power forward for the last 16 years. Um, all right. Look, I think that was easy. 
Rozier, Bridges, uh, PJ? I, I'm not sure about Bridges, but what? I would put him on there. How dare you? I'm not positive, but I would put him on there. All right. I might think about like a Cody Martin. All right, Chicago. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not kidding, but okay. <laughs> you should be kidding. So I'm going to let it go. Okay. I was hoping that. that was a joke. It wasn't a joke. I'm, I like Cody Martin. <laughs> you would. Chicago, uh, Levine, Markinen, Wendell Carter. I think for big three purposes, you got to go with another small here. And Thad? Uh, how about Sadaransky? Sadaransky, <laughs> Markinen, Carter? No, I mean, I'm not sure about the double bigs here with Markinen, Carter. Oh. How about Otto Porter in here? I mean, we. Oh, Otto. Boy, this is All tough, right. actually. If you're building a Chicago Bulls Big Three team, and we haven't even mentioned the word, uh, the name Kobe White or Thaddeus Young. I know. I like that. Hmm. Dude, Chicago, after years and years of, uh, at one point, I, I, I said on a show, the Bulls are ass. Oh, no. <laughs> they're, they're not anymore. They have so much young talent, and they have a have appealing young roster. Mm. Levine. Auto and marketing. That's that's the three. Okay. That's them. Cleveland, Colin Sexton, Kevin Love, and now we got to make a choice. Are we going Jetty Osmond? Are we feeling him after the turkey performance? Are you, are you sure we're going Sexton over Garland? Yes, for right now. I, I would go Garland. We haven't seen Garland. Can we watch him play against somebody? Can we watch him play against somebody that's not? I, a, I also a, took Grant Williams, and we took PJ Washington. <laughs> <laughs> You've always been down on Colin. Colin's going to show about, you. I'm, I like shooters. How about Dylan Windler? Uh, I think oh, Dylan Windler. Why do need, don't say stop. You I'm want him serious. over Jetty? This is a very serious exercise, Chris. How about, how about, how about Larry Nance Jr.? Thing? I researched this all night. No, you didn't. All right. Let's see. All right. You don't want, you don't want Dylan Windler. Good grief. No. I, why would I not want Dylan Windler? It's Sexton Love and uh, Jetty Osman. I would I would take Windler over Osman for big three purposes. Did you, uh, you, you go back and watch the Turkey game? You can't you can't do that to mm, Jetty Osman. Detroit. I love Jetty. I actually think this Detroit team they should actually hope for a big three because they'd be okay. Blake Drummond, and then I guess either Reggie Kennard or D Rose. We got to pick one of those. Give me Kennard. Kennard. Yeah. Have right. have Blake run the point. <laughs> Kennard spacing the floor. That'd be a fun big three team. I'd love that. Indiana. I've got Brogdon, Warren, Turner. I think with this one, I, I might go with the double bigs. Turner, Sabonis, Brogdon. Hmm. I'd worry about Sabonis trying to run around and guard the Jason Tatums <sighs> yeah, of the world. I know, I know. And th- that's I'm in trouble part, on that. But, but also, like on the flip side of that, you have Sabonis posting up the Tatums of the world. That's fair. And that could be a problematic issue for the opponent. And whereas Warren, his defense is lackluster anyway. So, I like TJ yeah. Warren. He he escaped oh, me, from me Alcatraz too. finally. Warren was a guy at NC State. All he really had was his mid-range floater, and, and he's managed to extend his range at least last season on a strong sample of three-point attempts. And, and he looked pretty good. Has always been a good free throw shooter, always a, a terrific mid-range pull-up shooter at floaters. And layups, but maybe now if his three-point shot is for real, he could be a really, really reliable replacement for Bogdanovich, who is sort of an underrated loss for them. But uh, with Brogdon and Warren, that roster has sort of been a bit underrated to me. I'm not. I don't think Indiana will be a title contender, but they're a tier. They need Oladipo back, though. Of course, they, they, 
Callison retired and Tyreek's obviously gone. Bogdanovich is in Utah now, but they need Oladipo back. Yeah. Um, that's for sure. Miami, Jimmy Buckets, Justice Winslow. I still like Winslow. You and do Bam. too. And Bam, right? That's the three. It's either Bam, Myers, Leonard, or James Johnson. Hmm, James Johnson's intriguing from big. James Johnson is tough. Yeah. I feel like he would go to war with the big guys, wouldn't he? He's got like a black belt. Yeah, right. And we left out Dragic. Yeah. I think Butler right. would be handling the, handling the ball so much. Let's just go. Let's just be the toughest team in America. Jimmy Buckets, James Johnson, and Winslow. I like that. All right. Milwaukee, Giannis Middleton. What are we doing? Brooke, uh, Bledsoe, or Hill? I'm going Brooke here. Or my guy, DiVincenzo. Going Brooke. Brooke All Lopez. Right. Like, same thing with the size, sort of like with Indiana. That'd be tough to defend Giannis and Brooke. Who's handling the ball, though? Middleton? Middleton and Giannis. Yeah, that's tough, though. I might take a Hill or a Bledsoe just because I need somebody that's a better ball handler than Giannis running every, or Middleton running everything. Uh, New York. Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, Dennis Smith Jr. And we've got RJ and Knox and Mitchell Robinson. What do you want to do? Randall's got to be on that. Okay. Randall's a sure thing. I think. Uh, are we sure we want DSJ over Nilakina? I'm not sure I want either <laughs> of them over RJ. <laughs> I'm going to go RJ I, there. I think, I think I may have heard Isaac in the background go, <laughs> what even? What? <laughs> what? All right. I'm going Dude, RJ there. I'm still on Frank Nilakina Island. This is not even an island. It's a pebble that's left. You are. Well, I'm there. On I'm the there. And, and by the way, I think the people who give up on him are going to look silly someday. Frank Nilakina, still, still, only 21 years old, already, already a high end defender with size and versatility. I we, think you sound silly right now. No, no here's the thing. <laughs> with Nilakina, we knew when he was coming into the draft that he was going to suck on offense. We knew it. No, I'm serious. Like, he's only 21. Yeah, well, no, it's a we great We knew he was going to suck on offense. You know what? And he might always suck, but the fact is he's already great on defense. You know what? Maybe you're seeing in the future. Maybe the league is going to turn to where they start liking players that suck on offense. <laughs> I know it, it hasn't been there. It hasn't been a good run for them. They have been left without jobs, but maybe it's going to turn. Maybe there's going to be a sea change, and the, the market inefficiency is going to be guys that suck on offense. <laughs> Frank Nilakina, I watched the highlights and not see the full oh. game, but Nilakina's FIBA performance so far for France has been pretty good. So I'm going to say his handle looks Good. like it's tighter. And that was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. look, that was always the thing with Nilakina. He could always pass the ball, but his handle stunk. Well, and his handle has looked a little bit tighter in FIBA competition. Put, he's, so far. He's, he's putting on a big show in China because he's going to be there in three years. Yeah, we'll see. I look forward to playing hope those, hope those fans get used to watching I, I, I look, Frank Nilakina games. You got to see him all the time on the Shanghai Here, show. Here's the thing like, I gave up fairly quickly on Dragon Bender. I missed on him. If we're talking international prospects here with Nilakina, I'm not giving up yet because the defense is a foundation for him. Well, luckily, you don't work for the Knicks because they did. Hmm. <laughs> they took Alonzo Trier and started playing. Well, him I don't over think him. they want Nilakina either. I mean, that was a Phil Jackson pick. I, they want to get rid of Nilakina and they have tried to trade him. And we'll see what they ended up getting at some point. All right. Get your jersey now. Uh, all right. Throwback. I'm going to go R.J. Randall Portis. How about that? 
I'm, I'm going to go Neil Aquino just to spite you, Julius <laughs> Randle, <laughs> and, and uh, Marcus Morris. Okay. Orlando. Aaron Gordon's on the team. Yep, no doubt. I kind of think Terrence Ross would be good on this. How about Vucevic, Gordon, and, uh, jeez. Uh, Augustine? <laughs> can I, can I like, roll the dice with Markel Fultz? Can I just... <laughs> Oh my God. You know, just say, Here Screw we go. <laughs> right, who do you believe in more? DJ, this is perfect. DJ Augustine. Kev, no, Kev, no, Kevin, who do you believe in more? In three years, <laughs> who is better, Frank Nilakina or Markel Fultz? Uh, uh, boy, geez. Um, my heart is telling me Frank Nilakina. Oh my God. My heart is telling me that because of what? Because the defensive factor, man. He's a great defender. Markel's not. I went number one in the draft. I don't care about the past right now. We're talking about right now where Markel is. And where he is, it seems like the same place where he has no timetable to get back. They're taking a day by day. He hasn't even played NBA games. He hasn't, like, played NBA games and proven he's awful. I at least need to see him playing NBA games and proving he's awful. Why do what? I feel like I'm alone on this? Uh, because you are. I know. Uh, maybe that's because I am. Maybe I am, and that's okay. There's either one. He's either one of two things. He was shooting the ball legitimately, or he is an operative from James Dolan to torture fans by hitting them with air ball threes. It's like the poster in Fargo with the red fish swimming one way. What if you're right and they're wrong? It's not like that. I don't know if I'm right, but what if I am? It's more like the wood chipper in Fargo. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. That's pretty good. Good reference. Uh, I think if I were NBA general manager and Frank Nilakina were available this season for a second round draft pick, I'd be all over that. <laughs> Knowing the fact that. That's, oh, that's the bar? Yeah. Well, the Nil- you know, think about it. Nilakina's got only one more year left on his deal before he becomes a free agent in 2021. Why wouldn't you give up a first round for him? Because uh, it's value and i wouldn't do that I'd you don't believe that pick. much yeah, I, I believe and i'm not giving him a first round pick <laughs> you don't believe that much i don't want it that bad i'll give him a second round pick for I'm him that oh, thanks <laughs> thanks a lot <laughs> if i was another gm i would give up a second round pick for that <laughs> crappy player real bulls, like huh? people people give up <laughs> second round picks for literally nothing like they just give them to people <laughs> <laughs> but but thanks, Kev, for making such a serious. I'm, I mean, you could be bold if you said a first round. I, I know there's probably people listening to this right now, like Kudos, who's taking the stance just because, like, he's trying to have an argument on Nilakina. It's like, no, I'm actually dead ass. I'm serious about Nilakina. The defensive factor is real, and I don't think people talk about that enough. So if his handle improves and he becomes a competent shooter, he can have a career. Isaac, can you walk across to the studio and see? If Kevin smells like marijuana. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel he waked and baked. I did, I did not. I would never do that before a show. <laughs> you would never do it before a show. I never do that. All right. Uh, Orlando, we're going with Aaron Gordon <laughs> and I guess DJ Augustine and Vucevic. Vucevic. Okay, yeah. Uh, Philly, Embiid Simmons. Are we going Tobias, Josh Richardson, or Horford? This is a tough one, man. I think so, too. Yeah, that's tough. For big three purposes. I think Horford. Hmm. So you're taking Horford. Yeah, just big. Horford and guard everybody. I can't wait to watch them play, man. And he can shoot threes, too. I can't wait to watch Philly. Actually, he'd be the only one of them that can shoot. 
They're so Simmons big, and Embiid. They can they can roll out like the biggest lineup ever. We could throw out uh, Embiid, Simmons, and Horford, and we could just call um I don't know the two point kings. I guess if Horford shoots a three, Toronto's the easiest one, isn't it? Lowry, Siakam, Gasol. Yeah, simple, simple. Uh, and then Washington. Oh my God, bro! When I was writing this down, <laughs> I mean, Beal, <laughs> Rui. Thomas Bryant, Admiral, no, I'm going, Isaiah Thomas. This is an easy one. It's Bradley Bale for one. I'm going Isaiah Thomas, two. And then I'm going Rui Hachimura, three. Wizards, Vegas, win total. For anybody that's listened to our show, go look at that roster. And you tell me how it is feasible. Let me see what they were posted at. 28 and a half. Oh, let's take the under. How are they winning 29 games? Go look at their roster. If Isaiah Thomas is able to be somewhat what? like, like I, mean, I mean, it's not if happening. If they I trade for mean, Frank Nilakina. Oh, God. <laughs> 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 it's their only hope. Change the game. I mean, look, if Isaiah Thomas does what, Kevin? Magically finds Scott Bakula and does a quantum leap to five years ago? That would be nice if that happened. I feel so bad for him, man. I do, too. It makes me sad. It makes me sad, too. He's doing okay, though. He is. You got another deal. Oh, you know what? Maybe he's a year removed from the worst of it, you know? Maybe. Mm. Maybe. He can still get buckets. I mean, hell, he's going to have every opportunity to. (laughs) Who else is scoring? Seriously. Maybe, unless Ish Smith is stealing buckets and minutes. I kind of thought you were crazy the other day when you were saying, you know, kind of like dark horse, you know, Rui Hachimura, if he gets a chance and the opportunity in Washington, you know, he might actually be able to put up some really good numbers and make people, you know, pay attention. And I was like, eh, whatever. But then when I looked at their, I I will apologize to you. When I looked at their roster, who the hell else is going to score at all? Who is scoring on that Rui. team? Did, did you see his dunk over Ursan Ilyasova the other day yes. in the Turkey-Japan game? That lefty dunk in transition. Pretty unbelievable. Right-handed player going off his right foot, dunking over Ilyasova. That shows off his level of athleticism. Yeah, I don't know how good he is going to be, but I do know this. You've usually got to get to over 100, right? Let's just say that is a benchmark. You gotta, you, you, most given nights, you're going to have to score over 100 or you're going to score over a hundred. Okay. Like you look at their roster and you add it up and you say, all right, I'll even pencil Brad Beal in last year. He averaged 26. I'll say he even does more than that. Right. It is hard to figure how you get to a hundred unless somebody like Rui Adjavar is scoring a bunch. I don't know how you get there, but they will inevitably all the rat teams do, but he may, you may be right. He may end up putting up good numbers if he plays a lot of minutes for them. Cause Somebody's going to have to get those numbers. Yeah. Like if you're placing a bet on one of the guys that's not a top, you know, not a favorite, to me, Rui Hachimura is the guy that stands out as a, as a logical choice. Right. So the winner of all of this thing, the team that you like the most, we'll just end on that. Uh, <laughs> um, boy, this is interesting. Uh, it might be Milwaukee. I know. You know? I'm and thinking it stands Milwaukee. to reason. Yeah. It stands to reason. I mean, Giannis is so much better than all of them. Yeah. Seriously. 
Who's the second best player in the East now? Embiid? Yeah, it's probably Joel. Uh, Philly's interesting too, especially with, with the, the Embiid, Simmons, Horford size, the difficulties and the challenges that could present for an opponent. Yep. It's probably not too, it's not dissimilar from if you're picking a team to actually come out of the Eastern Conference no, right now. On this, yeah. Philly, that Miami team would be there at the end. Yeah. Because they got <laughs> they got Jimmy Buckets and Winslow and James Johnson just fighting you constantly. And somebody eventually people are going to be like, whatever, dude. This doesn't matter that much. Stop stop caring so much. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's Jimmy Bucket style and all their, all their style. Kevin, it is always a pleasure. Uh, hopefully the United States looks a little better next by the next time we talk. And uh, that FIBA World Cup is actually going to get really, really good mm. as these teams are all starting to get whittled down. Um, and then I think I saw it's a little over three weeks. Until our first preseason game. Unbelievable. I think that's right. I think it's a little over three weeks. Yep. Shanghai versus Houston, September 30th, and then October 4th. We got uh, Indiana, Sacramento. Almost there. I'll talk to you next week. Looking forward to it, Chris. Have a good one. Thanks to everybody for listening to another episode of The Mismatch. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars, five stars. It really helps, and we will talk to you next week. Anything